0: Tonight's reading is taken from John chapter 14, verses 1 to 21. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father? because I'm going to do the father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them.
1: Let us pray. Our Father, hear our cry. Your broken world is in desperate need of love. We pray that in this world of sickness, of pain and misery, that we would reflect the compassion that you have for us. Help us reach out to those who feel lost, right on our doorstep. Let this church become shelter for the homeless, be a hospital for the sick, and to be that city on a hill. Let us welcome outsiders with open arms, as you did for us on the cross. And looking at a global scale, we know that many lives have been lost to volcanic eruptions. In Hawaii, in Guatemala, people are hurting. Their joy is clouded by chaos. So Lord, remind them of your love as they mourn loved ones. Comfort them as they stand homeless. Give them peace as their hearts are in pieces. There's no hiding that suffering entangles this world. Our pain breaks us apart and floods us with sadness. But let us remember that you, our Father, weep with us. For just because you know the outcome doesn't mean you don't feel the pain of our personal struggles. Let us take comfort that our Heavenly Father, The architect of the galaxies takes a personal interest with us. And I'll recite the words of David in Psalm 138. Thank you. Everything in me says thank you. Angels listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel and worship facing your holy temple and I say it again, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name. Most holy is your word. The moment I called out, you stepped in. You made my life large with strength. When they hear what you have to say, God, all Earth's leaders will say, thank you. They'll sing of what you've done. How great the glory of God. And here's why. Because God, high above, sees far below. No matter the distance, he knows everything about us. When I walk into the thick of trouble, keep me alive in the angry turmoil. With one hand, strike my foes. With the other hand, save me. Finish what you started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. Glory to our Father in heaven. Amen.
2: Good evening, everyone. Um, Would you like to turn back to uh, John chapter 14? Magnificent passage, wasn't it? Um, Just wonderful things that the Lord is saying there. Um, Our task this evening is to focus on verses 13 and 14. Um, under the heading, uh, Most Misused Verses in the Bible. So let's uh, read them again, and then we'll pray for God's help. So Jesus, the Lord says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's see God's face as we come to his word. Our Father God, you have promised in your word that the unfolding of your words gives light. And so we ask that you'd keep that promise this evening as we seek to unfold your words. May the light of your Son, the Lord Jesus, shine very brightly in our midst. And we pray that you'd help us, particularly tonight, to listen to just what it is that you're actually saying. Uh, Take away um, our own sense of priorities, what is important. Help us to listen with crystal clarity to what it is you're saying. And we ask that, Lord, that the light of your word might fill us with all joy and peace in believing, and so that together we might abound in hope to your glory and praise. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a wonderful pa- passage, and in some ways it's a shame to not be able to look at the, the whole thing, but it's good, I think, from time to time to, to focus in a little bit more. And I'm really excited about this series, because it's a chance to kind of give uh, some very important Bible verses a sort of a real focus and careful attention. However, as a preacher, I have to say, it's also quite scary, because there's not really very many places to hide when you've just got a couple of verses. You can't kind of just sort of slide over something just as easily as sometimes you might be tempted to. Um, and with these couple of verses that we're looking at tonight, I think it's easier, much easier, to point out how, they're, how they've been misused than it is to actually explain uh, what it is that they're actually saying. So I think there's two ways, two big ways, that we can misuse uh, these verses, and um, first way is, um, I think, probably pretty obvious. Jesus is saying, obviously, here, I will do whatever you ask. And a lot of us can maybe be tempted to hear that as a kind of a blank check, basically. Finally, we think, yeah, this is the bit in the Bible I'm really interested in, the bit where Jesus kind of says, yep, you name it, and I'll do it. And we think, finally, I've got something I can hold Jesus to and pin him down and ask for whatever it is I want. Well, most of us, I guess, probably don't think that's going to be quite right. One problem at least that that raises is, well, what about when I don't get what I want? And so we try and work out how to limit what Jesus is saying here. Um, Now, I think we probably do need to limit it in some way. But what I've seen a lot of people do as I've been reading around for this is they almost kind of go to other places in the Bible and say, well, we're meant to ask for anything that lines up with God's will. And so Jesus is kind of saying here, you can ask for whatever you like in my name, but by the way, here's a whole heap of caveats that I haven't mentioned to you, uh, including you're meant to sort of know what's in my secret plans for you. And if it happens to be in my secret plans for you, um, then I won't give this to you. And so it, it almost makes Jesus kind of out to be a bit of a liar when he's making this promise. There doesn't seem to be much promise left if we're not careful. Instead of saying, I'll, I'll do whatever you ask in my name, Jesus is sort of saying, well, Maybe I'll do whatever you ask in my name. Depends if it matches my secret plans, uh, if I'm not resisted, uh, and it, if it's very unusual. And those three points, I'll not say who came up with those, but those are three points that somebody comes up with, uh, a very important kind of person on prayer, uh, suggests for why prayer isn't answered. Because prayer kinda, the answers to prayer have to be unusual. They have to be in God's secret purposes for us. And they uh, have to involve God's will not being resisted. So I think by the time we've done all that, we haven't let, got much promise left. So what, what is Jesus saying then? Well, I, I want to be honest, I've found this difficult to try and, um, to try and get clear, uh, and I don't know if I've totally got it nailed, but I think I've got a start, I've got a direction for us this evening. I'll be interested to know if you think this is the right direction. So the first thing I think we want to say is it really matters how we read the Bible. Sometimes we can misuse the Bible um, because we don't read it carefully enough. We, we just kind of come with a very casual approach to reading the Bible and we, we just get it wrong. And that, that sometimes happens. Another way we can misuse the Bible is when we almost come in with, with our own agenda and we'll just twist whatever's in the Bible to suit our agenda. So, for example, somebody might read the whole Bible and still be convinced that God isn't angry about sin. There are some people who do that because they're just twisting everything to suit their agenda. Sometimes we actually, I think, do both of those things at the same time, and it's a little bit more subtle. We don't sort of actively twist what the Bible's saying, but because we're sort of so preoccupied with our concerns, we kind of subtly misread it and put the emphasis in the wrong place. So, listen, I'm going to read just the first part of the verse, verse 13, twice, and see if you can hear the difference. So, Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask, In my name. Here's the other way you could read it. And I will do. Whatever you ask. In my name. Hear the difference? I think most of us. Including me. We're tempted to focus on the whatever. In this verse. Because we're focused on what we can get out of prayer. And that means then that leads us to the two kind of ways that you could try and understand this verse. Either you think that whatever is unlimited, and so it's a blank check, or you try to limit the whatever in some way, and you end up with the verse not saying very much at all. But what if Jesus is actually not really talking about what to ask for in prayer? Because he does that in quite a lot of places at much more length than he seems to here. What if that's not the point of this verse? What if instead he's actually trying to tell us about himself, and just how important he is in our prayer. And I I wonder, actually, if there's a sort of general principle here. We're we're doing a series on misusing Bible verses, and so it'd be a shame, I think, if we didn't come away with with a kind of handle on how not to misuse Bible verses. And so try this out as we start this series, pretty much. How many of these misused Bible verses come because we're sort of so focused on ourselves and our agenda that we kind of misread the verse. I think it might turn out to be quite a powerful uh, way of spotting when we misuse the Bible. If we're so focused on ourselves and what we can get out of the Bible rather than being focused on God, on Jesus. Uh, Eugene Peterson's got this quite good quote where he says, when we're reading the Bible, we need to love God enough to focus on exactly what it is he says. And so let's do that tonight. This is the second thing, and this is what we're going to do the rest of our time. Let's try and reread these couple of verses very closely and see how they might help us to put our focus on Jesus. And firstly, we're just going to work our way through um, verse 13. We've got a promise to encourage us. Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask. Now, this isn't a soundbite. This is coming in a conversation. We we probably know the the general uh, sense of what's going on. It's Jesus' last supper with his disciples. And the atmosphere is pretty tense and pretty sorrowful because Jesus has said very clearly that he is going away. He's going to die. And through his death, he's going to go to his father. There's a lot of uh, tension and fear. And Jesus says, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God trust also in me. It actually seems like in this last supper with the disciples, there's actually a lot of doubt in the room. A lot of people among the disciples who aren't really sure about Jesus. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? So Jesus is trying to address doubt. He's trying to grow these disciples' faith as they get ready uh, for him to leave. And in verse 12, he gives a very important promise. Have a look at it there with me. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these Because I am going to the Father. Jesus is saying to his friends, listen, I'm going away, but what I've started is going to continue. You are actually going to do the same sorts of things I've been doing. You're going to be doing the miracles, you're going to be doing the teaching. That's going to continue. And guess what? You're going to do even greater things than I've done. Now, we haven't really got time to to explore what those greater things are this evening. Um, But the short answer is it looks like giving people eternal life. Uh, Jesus is going to go to his father. Um, He's going to ascend as the risen king. And he is going to have the power as our mediator to give people eternal life. But he says, I'm going to do this through you, through my disciples, through anyone who believes in me. We're all going to be involved How? Because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name. So he's saying to his closest friends, he's saying, look, you're not going to be able to see me anymore. But that is not going to be the end of what I'm doing. I'm going away, but I'm going to be at the Father's right hand. I'm going to have all authority in heaven on earth and I am going to hear your prayers And I'm going to answer them. This is a promise to encourage us that Jesus lives. And if the disciples needed to hear this, how much more do we need to hear it? We've never, ever seen Jesus. We've never seen the miracles. We've never had dinner with him where he tells us about about God and about how we can be sharing in God's love for us. We've never had that. And we probably would love to have that, wouldn't we? So, how much more do we need to hear that Jesus' death was not the end of his ministry? As he ascends to the Father, he ascends with the power to answer prayer. And so, his work continues on earth. This is much better than a blank check, because this is a promise that the Jesus of the Scriptures actually lives, he's alive. He's answering our prayer. Um, on my holiday, uh, I took a, uh, uh, well, this was my beach book. Um, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a geeky beach book, I'll admit. It's um, by a, 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 an American theologian called Robert Jensen. Uh, he's a very interesting uh, theologian. He's probably one you have to read with a bit of discernment. But there's a paragraph here that I think is pretty clear and very helpful. And I want to read, read it to you. Uh, So Jensen says this, The Christianity with which most of us have some acquaintance has accustomed us to speak of Jesus in the past tense. Christianity has rarely remembered what a strange claim the gospel involves. That the man Jesus lives now. Uh, Conservative Christians have talked about Jesus' supernatural accomplishments back there. He atoned for sin once for all or something like that. And we must now make that, that redemption presently effective by using the sacraments, Catholic, or by believing hard enough, Protestant. Liberal Christians, not believing in supernatural accomplishments, have made Jesus a great religious teacher and example, who taught and exemplified such and such back there, the fatherhood of God or, or nonviolence or something else very worthy, which we must now make effective by imitation, Pietist, or you could say spiritual Christians, have indeed talked much of the present reality of Christ and of a personal relationship to him. But they too have left the actual man in the past and for the present have substituted a kind of ghost with whom we are to establish friendly relations by being adequately religious. Give your heart to Jesus. The point of the gospel is that there is no need for any of these ways of making the past Jesus come alive in the present since he already is of himself. There is a human being in heaven who can do what we ask. That's the promise to encourage us from this verse. And friends, we know his name. He's the same person we meet in the Gospels. His name is Jesus. Doesn't that encourage you? In praying. So that's the first thing then. We've got a promise to encourage us. And that leads us on secondly to to the second part of this verse, uh, which tells us that we've also got a name to trust in. Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Now we probably have a sense that names in the Bible aren't just sort of names. They represent somebody's total character or identity. And the one who's going to answer our prayers is the one whose character we know in the Bible. And we're going to pray, Jesus says, on the basis of his character, on all that he is. But I think we can fill that out a little bit more. And I wonder if you can turn back with me to 1 Kings chapter 8. find that on page 345 in the Pew Bibles. 1 Kings uh, chapter 8. We're going back to the time of the monarchy. The people of Israel are in the land. Uh, We've had uh, King David, and now his son, King Solomon, builds the temple. Uh, Page 345, 1 Kings, chapter 8. And this is um, Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. And we'll pick it up at 1 Kings, chapter 8, verse 27. Uh, Solomon prays, But will God really dwell on earth in the temple? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you, how much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day, this place of which you said my name shall be there. So that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, forgive. And then Solomon goes through a number of different situations in which people might pray. Turn over the page and we'll go to the last situation. And it's the, yeah, uh, it's not the last situation, but it's the one I want to read. Verse 41. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel but has come from a distant land because of your name for men will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards this temple then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. Okay, so in the Old Testament, where was God's name? Where did you go if you wanted to to see God's name and all that God represented? You went to the temple. Uh, And if you wanted to be sure that your prayers would be heard by God in heaven, you prayed to the temple because that was where God's name was. That was where he'd kind of promised to meet us. That's where we knew that we were going to pray uh, to the real God, the living God. And so what do we see as we turn our minds to the temple? Well, you see the, the altar there, and the sacrifice, and the blood of the sacrifice. And you'd see the smoke ascending up to heaven, a sweet-smelling savour to the Lord. And, and, and you, would, you would think then, wouldn't you, of God's character as a God of mercy, a God of covenant love, A God who makes provision for sin. A God who makes peace with us. And that would be your sense of what God's name was. And you'd pray on that basis. And as you did that, you could be confident that because God has made provision, yeah, your prayers would ascend into heaven along with that smoke of the sacrifices. Well, I wonder, does any of that help us to understand what Jesus is saying when he says, Ask for anything in my name. Come back to, to John 14 uh, whenever you get a moment. Jesus is saying, um, I'm about to die as your sacrifice. I'm about to ascend to heaven as a kind of a sweet smelling, uh, fragrant sacrifice and offering. And if you want to be sure that your prayers are going to be heard, pray in my name. And you can be as sure as you like that just as I've ascended into heaven, so I will carry your prayers with me. You can be confident as anything in the world that because I am God's full revelation, because I am in the Father and the Father is is in me, because I bear his name as his only son, because I've come as his only son to die, to show his covenant love and mercy, and rise again as his welcomed, loyal, loving, faithful son who died and rose again for you. You can be totally sure that I will bring your prayers into the presence of Almighty God. Jesus tells us to pray in his name. This is a name, secondly, to trust in. And that's why, of course, we make it our normal pattern when we pray to, to say, literally, in Jesus' name. It's not a sort of magical phrase, but it does remind us on the basis, the basis on which we pray. We pray not on the basis of our own merits, not on the basis of our kind of goodness, but on the basis of God's provision for us in the Lord Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. So friends, don't be put off ever from praying because you kind of have a sense that you're not worthy to come into God's presence because you're not really sure that God will want to hear what you've got to say to him. He does. He promises he will if you're praying in Jesus' name. Don't come to God on your own footing. Come to God on the basis of Jesus and he will hear your prayer. Our prayers won't bounce off the ceiling because there is one who's gone into heaven. We know who's there And he's promised to be there as our mediator. And friends, I need to say as well, don't pray in any other name. We don't need anyone else's prayers, uh, anyone else's help for our prayers to be heard. And you'll know um, as well as I do that the Roman Catholic Church has taught people for a long time that we um, can entrust our prayers to the mother of Jesus, to Mary. And so the, the Catholic Church encourages people in the church to pray the Ave Maria, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the, at the hour of our death. And to see what is meant by those words, I'm going to read from the Catechism of the Roman Catholic Church. So it's commentating on those words. By asking Mary to pray for us, we acknowledge ourselves to be poor sinners And we address ourselves to the Mother of Mercy, the All-Holy One. We give ourselves over to her now, in the today of our lives. And our trust broadens further, already at the present moment, to surrender the hour of our death, wholly to her care. May she be there as she was at her son's death on the cross. May she welcome us as our mother, at the hour of our passing, to lead us to her son, Jesus in paradise. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus invites us not to do this. He says we don't need even his dear mother to lead us to him. He says we're welcome to come to him. He invites us to pray in his name. You maybe feel uncomfortable with anyone kind of drawing lines like that, but I think sometimes it's good for us to draw lines. And maybe you think, Presbyterian Church has drawn a lot of lines this week if you've been following some of the news headlines. But sometimes lines do protect something good. And the something good that we want to protect is that the Lord Jesus is so available to us. We don't need anybody else. He invites us to pray in his name as our mediator. The Lord of the Church really lives and he invites us to pray in his name. So we've had a promise to encourage us a name to trust in. And now we're going to see finally why, we, why focusing on Jesus alone really matters in our final point. We're going to see that we also have a purpose to share in, in these verses. So verse 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. This is what everything Jesus did was about. Everything Jesus did when he was on earth was all to glorify the Father. Let's just have a look at that very quickly. Just turn over one page, page 1080, John chapter 12, uh, verse 27. Jesus is considering his death, and he says, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No! No! It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Jesus came to glorify the Father's name. And that is why he's going to answer our prayers. His whole purpose of his ministry on earth and his purpose of his ministry in heaven is so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. As the Son of God answers prayers on behalf of his Father, so the Father will be glorified, because it's his Son who's answering all our prayers. When we pray together, as the Church of Christ, and we see our prayers being answered, who, who, who's being honoured? Not some random God, but the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father will be glorified in the Son. And, you know, the Lord may do that in ways that surprise us or challenge us, but he's just going to continue the life he led on earth of glorifying his Father. And when we pray, we get to share in that great purpose. What could be better than that? When we pray, when we pray prayers that are going to seek to To see the the Son glorified and the Father glorified in him. We're, We're kind of getting caught up in the whole movement of everything that exists. Even go back before all worlds and what's happening? The Father is eternally begetting the Son. And now that Son, the Son of the Father, comes into our world in order to glorify his Father. And he wants to lead all of us back into giving glory to the Father. This is the biggest movement of history and even bigger of all that is. Everything is about this. The Son giving glory to the Father. If you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. That the Son may be glorified in the Father. So the third thing we can see there's a purpose worth sharing in. So, there's a kind of a, a, a sort of um, a, a revolution that needs to happen, I think, is to really understand what Jesus is saying when he gives us this promise. Um, you know the history about Copernicus, how he discovered that uh, instead of uh, the, the sun revolving around the earth, it's the other way around. The earth revolves around the sun. I think something like that needs to happen if we're going to really understand uh, and be encouraged by this promise the way Jesus wants us to be. If we kind of think that God is kind of revolving all around us, then we'll kind of come away from tonight thinking, oh, Sam just didn't really give us very much there. But if you can get into your heads that we are built to revolve around God, around the, the, the Father being glorified in the Son, then I hope you'll come out, go away very encouraged, that, that we can be part of that, that what life is all about is open to us, that the one who was there in history in the Gospels, now lives and invites us to join in his eternal purpose of giving glory to his Father. So Jesus isn't guaranteeing here to give a positive answer to every request we could make of him, but he is calling us to pray with deep confidence for the Son to bring honour to his Father. So friends, let's, um, let's share in his purpose, let's plead his name, confident that he lives Let's put the focus on Jesus in our praying. And we pray that we will do that so that our prayers may bring the Son glory and through him glory to the Father. Amen. Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, we come to you tonight knowing that you've invited us to seek you and to come on the basis of your name. Lord, we thank you that you came to glorify your Father and in so doing to give us eternal life. And Lord, we praise you that this eternal life is all about glorifying you. Father, thank you for teaching something of this this morning as we thought about at our chief end And thank you for it coming up again tonight. Lord, we thank you for your providence. And Father, we thank you for the the promise you make to answer our prayers. Father, may we go away from here with deep confidence that, that your son lives and that he lives to answer our prayers as we pray in his name for your glory. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.